Hi, welcome to the Express Results Bulletin for Season 2, Episode 10. We've got Trev and Nick here ready to dissect the final set of results for this season. And for the first time ever, I have put together an Extra Tracks and Bonus Bits playlist for this results episode for reasons that will become apparent as the results progress. It's not a long playlist, but there's some stuff on there that you really could do with hearing. So that is at tinyurl.com forward slash witchdecade 210R. That's R for results. Right. Let us progress. Oh, in last place. Now then, all but one of our voters put this track in last place. It is the worst result we have ever had. In the short history of this podcast, the one person who didn't put it in last place put it in the Met Zone. Resounding thumbs down for the 1990s and Martin McCutcheon with I've Got You. Jeff says... This is so bad that I had to remind yourself that your show focuses on top 10 hits. I can't believe this charted. Hedgerow says, poor Martin. It really does seem like a product conceived for the market rather than a song. Ed, who was our only meh, so almost liked it. He says the song, like the artist, doesn't really seem sure what it wants to be. It starts off and you think it might be some interesting little Lisa Lerb style alt pop gem. Then we get a bolted on Ikea late 90s pop chorus and all interest quickly <laughs> evaporates. There was probably both a Natalie Imbruglia and Westlife hit in here. They just needed separating out. That's as kind as it gets. James, Centres of Sound, says... Well done here. You've managed to find the most nondescript piece of music ever recorded. This isn't Cathedral City. It's not even a lukewarm glass of tap water. That would at least quench your thirst. It could be a good test for AI, though. If it can make something quite this unremarkable, then it may have the measure of us. Oh, Martine. <laughs> you see, there's a lot of talk these days about whether you can still enjoy great music made by bad people. I think the answer to that is there's no hard and fast rule. It's very subjective. It depends on circumstances. But what do you do when an obviously nice person like Martine McCutcheon, whose career was derailed with health issues, who's come back smiling, who does a bit to promote awareness, leading a good life. What do you do when somebody nice makes a stinker? I actually genuinely feel bad about mm. Martine McCutcheon having the worst record ever. I should point out, this makes it worse than Them Girls, Them Girls by Zig and Zag, worse than Rocking Around the Christmas Tree by Mel and Kim, worse than Shout for England with Dizzy Rascal and James Corden. Like, what if she finds out about this? I, I couldn't look her in the <laughs> eye. I mean, I'd go for a drink with Martine McCutcheon happily. But there we have it. Do you feel similarly bad about this, Nick and Trev? No, I mean, I wouldn't use this as a jump off point to reach out to Martine. Hey, we'll do a <laughs> podcast. Uh, we wonder if you'd like to be involved. Oh, yeah, your music's featured in it. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we recorded the episode, as is always the way generally, I'm not delighted to have to put something in the last place. Something's got to be in there. But I, I don't think this is bad. I just think it's so nothing. 
In fact, uh, when we do the grand master results for the season, there's another track that we featured, you know, in this period that I actually think is worse than this that was in the last 10 episodes. But I'll leave you with that cliffhanger. I think perhaps we'd have to understand what Martine McCutcheon thinks of I've Got You. Perhaps she also hates it. Mm. Perhaps she had a massive hit, followed it up with this, which essentially just put the kibosh on her entire pop career, didn't it? It was just such a terrible follow-up. She had some more hits, but they were all cover versions, weren't they? She just reverted to safer territory. If she also hated it, that would be all right, wouldn't it? Probably. She did plough that pop furrow for longer than you might think in terms of a hit single. She made four solo albums before retiring from pop. I mean, she gave it her best. I'll tell you what this reminds me of. It reminds me of the music that I hear when I'm queuing in the post office. And during lockdown, where my big excursion of the day was to the very long post office queue to post all the vinyl I was selling off online, I would listen to what they played in the queue, which was incredibly anonymous bland music, none of which I ever recognised. And I thought after a while, what's going on here? So I shazammed a couple of the post office cue tracks. Turns out these tracks were never actually released. They are made to order by a firm in the USA who churn out royalty-free music that cheapskates can use as their cue music in the post office. And this music is specifically designed to be mediocre, bland, devoid of interest. There is no attempt to be artistically interesting or emotionally moving. This track by Martin McCutcheon would absolutely fit into post office cue music. As you were describing the post office queue, I was thinking, because I'm aware of this unlicensed music scene, you used to get it on uh, mini cruises back in the day before P&O ferries fired all the staff for some reason, there were certain mini ferries going over to Amsterdam and for a while they had this unlicensed music and then they realised, yeah, that's not going to fly because, you know, people like to hear music that doesn't suck horribly. And as you were saying, I was like, I mean, this could be just unlicensed. Yeah, there you go, play it. You don't have to pay any royalties. We used to call it Muzak, didn't we? Yeah. Elevator music. Muzak these days tend to be this kind of soft pop, almost into country yeah. rock basically. I might try that tomorrow. I might ask ChatGPT to write me a Martine McCutcheon hit and see what it comes up with. I will report back on this. Please do. Please do. Let's go into the Met Zone. First up in the Met Zone, representing the 2010s, we have Sorry by Joel Corey. And actually, for a track in the Met Zone, the comments on Joel Corey are surprisingly kind. So Hedgerow says, Joel's song is just as retro as Tears for Fears, but it doesn't do much more than copy better songs. I am glad for the lyrical alteration, though. Malcolm the Break Doctor says, competent dance floor material, nice production, and I like what they did with the vocal. James, Centuries of Sound, says, I was sceptical here. Why rework this song, etc.? But it's really well executed. The slow rises, the drops, that squelchy bass sound. I could enjoy this in a club if I ever went to one these days. Then he adds, if you want to hear the original in the best possible context, I strongly advise you to check out Dirty Goods Switching Songs Part 2. I'll come back to that in a minute because I want to tell you what Ed says. Ed is actually the only person to vote Joel Corey as his number one. So Ed says, 
for me, this was a week of big guns bringing only average sized ammo. And this is reflected somewhat in my scoring. I think Joel is the only one outperforming his average this week. Nothing new here. But what is here is fun and danceable. And that's always worth celebrating. Just to go back to the track that James recommended that I've put on the extras playlist, Dirty Goods, Switching Songs Part 2. It's interesting. Dirty Goods is a grime artist, and this track was recorded in 2007. And what he's done, he's got a quick-fire medley mashup of loads of classic UK garage hits, including the original version of Sorry. And he does some grime MCing over the top. The medley actually opens with him griming over the top of the original version of sorry trev you'll really like this this is going to be my cup of tea is it? nick i know you're not a fan of the sprechgesang i please steer clear <laughs> i like the notion what ed was saying there it's a bit like you know sometimes the part-time postman and stuff beat the big clubs in the fa cup because mm. they perform better than they normally do and the big clubs have an off day I think that is essentially what he's saying here, isn't it? <laughs> Tears for Fears are the Liverpool, Joel Corey's the Blythe Spartans. But, you know, on their day, anything is possible. Yeah. Now then, I did ask last time when we were talking about Sorry by Joel Corey for our listeners to let us know of any other hit singles where the track title rhymes with the name of the act. And further to this, I actually went onto a music message board that I frequent and I asked the same question. I got loads of responses. Have I got a list for you? Right. This is quite a long list. If they all rhyme, Mike, and you're already talking about grime, could you deliver it in a grime spitting bars type manner? No, because that would be cultural appropriation. Well, give us the name of the song then and we have to guess the artist. Oh, yeah, I like it. All right. I'm going to give you the results in ascending order of peak position in the top 100. So it will get easier. Right. So Doja Cat. No, I thought you were giving us the song title. All right. You want me to give me the song title? I apologize. Right. Okay. That'll all come out in the edit. So first of all, we've got Like That. Oh, that's Doja Cat. You're going to have to leave that in now because you can't edit it out. Why Why is that funny? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. You'll get this one. Dre Day. Bye. Dre. Well, Dr. Dre, to give him his full title. Okay. Have a nice day. 80s rap. Dre. Female rapper. Roxanne Chante. Ah. Ventolin. Come on, Trev. No. Ventolin by Aphex Twin. Apex Twin Ventolin. I was about to say Vera Lynn then, which wouldn't have been anywhere near correct. <laughs> From her late period avant-garde phase. Yes. Um, right. Chic Mystique. Chic. Chic, exactly. Walking into Sunshine. That central line, Brit Funk. Hop is dead. Like said Fred. Radiohead. <laughs> right, we're into top 40 hits now. Suntan. Stan. Stan. Yeah. The Boss. Oh, come on. Joe Loss. Diana Ross. Diana Ross. The Theme. It's UK Garage. The Theme by? Ice Cream. That was a record label. Dream Team. Dream Team. Yeah. It's on Ice Cream Records, I think. I could picture it, but I'm still not doing well here. All About Soul. Billy Joel. Yes. 
into the top 20. Hocus Pocus by... Focus. Focus. This is a bit pathetic, this one. Who Are You by... The Cookie Crew. You too. The Who. Who the Are who? You by oh, The yeah, Who. Yeah. This is another pathetic one. Sergeant Rock is going to help me... ABC. XTC. XTC. Body in Motion. Oh, this feels like one I should know. 90s Dance. Body in Motion. No. Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean. Yes, they had another hit. The follow-up to Waterfall. Yeah, I got number 15. Everything starts with an E. Oh, God, I've got that. That's, oh, man. I'm I'm off the list if I can't get this. No. Easy Posse. Easy Posse. Jesus Christ. Featuring MC Kinky. Mm. That's double points now. Now I come to think of it. Here we go. Stack a bow. Yes. Oldie here. Hernando's Hideaway. Johnny Ray. Correct. Into the top 10. I think you'll get all of these. Oh, no, you might not get one. All right. Doing the do. Betty Boo. Betty Boo. Yeah. Darfunk. Darfunk. Uh, Darfunk. Yep. Le Freak. Chic. Let's walk that away. Got to number four. Hadaway. I've been discussing Hadaway's other hit, and it's not that. It's another double pointer. Let's Walk That Away by Doris Day and Johnny Ray. Uh, yeah. At number two, Only You. Yazoo. And at number one, My Heart Will Go On. Celine Dion. Those are all your rhyming tracks and acts. I'm glad you've mentioned Celine Dion, because this gives me an opportunity to mention my donk version of My Heart Will Go On, which is called My Hard Will Go On by Celine Dionk. And uh, I, <laughs> it's of the very, very many terrible remixes that I've done. That's the best one. Definitely. Is this available online? There's a, a fast version on the Remix Everything Films one, but really I need to make the 135 beats a minute version available because I did like a, a speed, speed donk version speed donk. Uh, for that charity. Yeah, I, need, I need to just do the original. Do it. Put it online. I'm genuinely proud of that work. It's it's probably my finest moment. We'll pimp it on the socials if you can make it available. All right. Also in the Met Zone, representing the 2000s, Sex on Fire by the Kings of Leon. David says, I saw the Kings of Leon at Glastonbury's new band's tent in 2003 when they still had big beards and enormous hair. Shades of Credence and Americana, sure, but I only stayed half an hour and never got round to checking out their first album. However, at Trev's urging, I might give it a go. Ed, Ed voted this last, breaking Martin McCutcheon's run of last places. Ed says, I was sure I was going to put this in the Met Zone, as despite its oversaturation, I have a couple of memories of singing along to it on dance floors. But I honestly had to skip it by the end of the first chorus. Their early songs had a bit of oomph, for want of a better term. But this is just absolutely hollow. Malcolm says, Dakota by the Stereophonics was released three years earlier. Listen to both back to back. Just saying. And James says, my comment here is in the form of a YouTube link. Hence, again, the Extra Tracks playlist. It's only a short YouTube clip. It is actually from the Centuries of Sound YouTube account. I don't think having played it, you'll be any wiser 
as to exactly what James thinks of Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. It's a sort of avant-garde take <laughs> on the song. It's all going to say. I think it involves Godspeed, you black emperor, weirdly. And yeah, Malcolm saying it sounds like Dakota by the Stereophonics. I didn't remember Dakota by the Stereophonics because I'm not a fan of theirs. I played it. I don't know. I can see a little bit of a similarity. I can't say the similarity was screaming out at me. What do you guys think? I think it's in there, but I feel you would be a harsh judge to say, oh, clearly what they've done there is. Mm. You know, there was talk about When September Ends by Green Day and the similarities with Wonderwall or one of the Green Day tracks off that album. And you know, you're going, yeah, sort of, but you know, it's every record ever made is Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's Stereophonic's biggest hit is Dakota, really, certainly from a dance floor point of view. And it's not their best song either. Yeah, number one in the UK, but the Stereophonics have never had a hit in the US. So unless Kings of Leon heard it while touring the UK and thought, ooh, well, that gives us an idea, I think it's unlikely. Dakota, for me, is the absolute apex proof that every band, however terrible they are, has a great record in them. Mm. You don't like the phonics? Not a fan of the phonics at all, but Dakota is fantastic. I used to love the Stereophonics. And as a former music journalist myself, I was personally offended by Mr. Writer. (laughs) I will say, I think there's a version of Sex on Fire that I enjoy more than the Kings of Leon version. I suddenly remember this today. Many, many years ago, I was commissioned to write a feature for The Guardian about boshing Eurodance cover versions of classic rock tracks. And I was also asked to put together a Spotify playlist of the best of this wonderful genre. And there is a boshing Eurodance cover version on the All Around the World label. What other label could it have been? By Tina Cousins. Tina Cousins does a bosh version of Sex on Fire. And it's way better than the Kings of Leon. That's on the playlist as well. Tina Cousins. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. (laughs) Thank Abba for the music. I think she's still 10th on the bill at regional pride events to this day. Mm, Mm, Good for her. All right. Big jump in the scores here. Not a huge numerical distance between any of the songs in our top three. But in third place, representing the 1960s, we've got Marvin Gaye with Too Busy Thinking About My Baby. Craig says, I actually think Motown Marvin is the best Marvin. This isn't the best Motown Marvin. The duets are better, especially You're All I Need to Get By. I can imagine a Marvin Gaye compilation where this is the worst track, which would still make it better than 99.9% of albums. Alex says, I love almost everything about this. All the instruments, the orchestration, the guitar, especially the chorus. And of course, that voice. Not bothered about the actual song, though. Ed says, This was new to me, but it just doesn't stick in my memory. It's very stop-start and never builds up even a slight head of steam. Surely a pointless answer if Marvin Gaye singles came up on that show. And Malcolm says, no denying his talent and voice, beautiful song and some of the best of Motown. Limerence indeed. It's funny that Craig says, I think 
Motown Marvin is the best Marvin because Marvin Gaye stayed on the Motown label all the way up to his very last album, Midnight Love, from whence came Sexual Healing. It was all Motown Marvin. But I suppose what Cray's getting there is classic Motown sound Marvin. Motown are... You know, it's it's almost a genre, isn't it? You yeah. know, there's songs that you listen to and you go, oh, that'll be a Motown record, and it's not. And sort of in that sphere of music, it, it makes more sense than, you know, the phrase Northern Soul, because Northern Soul's a bit confusing. It was the soul, the music that was big in the UK, in the north of England, by American artists, broadly speaking. But I get people asking me for Motown, and then they'll be like, uh, give me thumbs up. And I'm like, I've not actually played any Motown. I've just played stuff that's... I've come a cropper on this because before lockdown, I was one of the vinyl DJs for our town's monthly Northern Soul and Motown event on Sunday afternoons. And someone came up to me and said, about the time we had some Motown, yeah? I said, well, I've just played Superstition by Stevie Wonder. And he went, yeah, but that's not Motown. <laughs> I get where he was coming from. Charlene's I've Never Been To Me is on Motown. Yeah, you, you could really flummox in by playing that, couldn't you? Yeah, or Lionel Richards all night long. That's on Motown as well. Yeah. It's the type of stuff we have to deal with as DJs, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, that's on Motown records, yeah, but proper Motown. Do you know what? I have actually checked to see whether there has ever been a Motown round on Pointless. And that led me to a website that actually has written transcripts of all the Pointless episodes. There has been a Pointless round on Motown, but... It was a pointless round where you had to name Motown acts. And the pointless answer was actually the Marvelettes of Please Mr. Postman fame. So there you are. Nick's been on Pointless with his mum. Uh, we didn't have a Motown question. Well, we sort of did, I suppose, in a manner of speaking. But yeah. How did you get on? Well, we did all right. Yeah. My mum was great. He's being very coy, Trev. Nick and his mum won the jackpot. Really? Oh, I tuned in. Honestly, I was that proud. For me, it was like watching my favourite football team, had I got a favourite football team, scoring the winning goal in the FA Cup final. Is there a way you could add this to the extended listening tracks? Because I would like to watch this. Is it online, Nick, your victory? Not to my knowledge. Oh, you just have to watch Challenge every day and just see if it turns up. It could be on, I don't know what, UK Gold or something, some channel I never paid attention to. All right. Well, we had another of our photo finishes for the top two. The top two songs both polled the same score, numerically speaking. But when I looked at how many voters preferred one song over the other, the song which slides into second place, and I will say it easily led the voting all the way through to the last two days when it was deposed. Second place for the 1980s, Tears for Fears, Sowing the Seeds of Love. Craig says, I totally disregarded this in 1989. I was into Iron Maiden at the time. And in those days, you didn't stray outside your genre of choice for fear of getting your head kicked in. But it's one of those songs that crops up all over the place and it had wormed its way into my consciousness so completely that when it came on, I let out an involuntary cry of delight. It's a shame it's been up against the specials and it would have been number one pretty much any other week. Alex says, musically, it's a tour de force of joy. I'd read that the duo were in their separate limo stage by this point, and if this is true, then it's baffling how they produced a sound so wonderful. 
it reminds me a bit of Mr. Blue Sky in how it takes a musical theme and progresses it onwards without ever quite repeating itself. You get to the end of a long song and you still want more. Ed says, this one doesn't quite land for me, but there's enough thrown in it that I do still enjoy some of the ingredients. One point, mostly for ambition. James says, if I'm in a good mood, this is a restlessly inventive, immaculately constructed piece of music. If I'm in a bad mood, it's too many ingredients and overcooked. Fortunately, I'm in a good mood today. Incidentally, if you want to know why everybody wants to rule the world is getting so many streams, you might want to check out Skibbity Toilets. I won't spoil it for you. And then he gives us a YouTube link, which I've put on the extracts playlist. He also adds regarding this clip from Skibbity Toilet, this will probably make no sense if you are over the age of 12. This clip from Skibbity Toilet has had 229 million views. It introduces Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears as the anthem for the, reading from my notes, speaker men and cameramen. I can't begin to describe Skibbity Toilet to you because it is really, really weird. <laughs> I found the Skibbity Toilet wiki and it tells me that the reason that the cameramen and speaker men on Skibbity Toilet have this as their anthem is because the Skibbity Toilets, the evil Skibbity Toilets, want to rule the world and the cameramen and the speaker men are fighting against the toilet's power-hungry tactics. And the meaning behind everybody wants to rule the world is the thirst for power and its consequences. Were either of you aware of the internet phenomenon that is Skibbity Toilet? I have just become an old man in real time. <laughs> I've just become like someone's granddad, just going, I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. It's mad. I don't discern any narrative structure, but then I have only watched the one clip. It's phenomenally huge. The clips are only 30 seconds long. There have been about 70 of them so far. I only launched this spring, but hey. Skibbity toilet. That, this sounds like one of the many things I have to look forward to with my children, subjecting me to stuff like that. <laughs> All right. So that leaves in first place, representing the 1970s and by the skin of their teeth, the special AKA and gangsters. David says, my top two are effectively covers, but the specials Bile and Brio have always topped Marvin's sheer joie de vivre. Also, as a massive Temptations fan, I'm fond of the original version of Too Busy Thinking About My Baby, whereas the specials substantially improve Prince Buster's Al Capone. Alex says, I'm not a Scar fan, but this is superb. Ghost Town is brilliant, of course, but this manages to be both a cheery floor-filling banger and the sound of the grim dreadfulness of that age, which is an unusual combination. James says... The horror paranoia of Ghost Town with the jauntiness of Too Much Too Young. In most weeks, this would have been getting my three points. And Craig says, to borrow the title of another of their songs, this was the dawning of a new era. I was slightly too young to get this first time around, but once I've been grabbed by Ghost Town and came back to check this out, I loved it. There's an edge to the performance that makes it irresistible. It's a heck of an earworm, whether or not you like it or not. If you hear it on any given day, that is all that your brain will repeat. That intro, that 
for the, just the rest of the day. It's incredibly catchy. Have either of you at any point found yourself earworming I've Got You by Martin McCutcheon? I only just listened to Martin McCutcheon and I can't think of a single note from it. Like that with me. I think she toured tomorrow. She'd have to relearn it, <laughs> I reckon. You know, when you go and see a band and they don't do like their hits, I find that conflicting. I'm like, I'm here to see you. Please perform the music that I've bought the tickets on the basis of. But Martine McCutcheon, and she's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to do my second biggest hit. It's the right choice. There won't be people in the audience holding up banners going, I've got you, I've got you. Do you know what? <laughs> I can never even remember the title of that song. Even just now, I had to refer to my notes to find out what it was called. I've got you. <laughs> the next episode is this review of all the 10 episodes. And I, yeah. it'd be really nice if Martine McCutcheon wasn't in for another kicking. But <laughs> she is. And that is where we're going to leave you, listeners. Um, there will be no look at how this affects the Master Scoreboard because we are saving that for the grand finale of season two, where the three of us have a good old think about what it all means. That'll be dropping in a few days' time. In the meantime, it's bye from the three of us. And bring on season three. That's not far off either. Bye for now. That's all.